From WHYY and BillyPenn.com, it is hitting season. Once again, unless there are runners in scoring position. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm your host, John Stolness from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, the Phillies should never be allowed to play baseball games in California ever again. They got swept, of course, by the San Francisco Giants this week. Out in San Fran, and it was ugly. We're going to get talk about this series a little bit. What is going on with the offense and the runners in scoring position? And uh, we'll look at some of the other issues going on with the hitters. The starting pitching was a disaster in this series. Taiwan Walker, Bailey Falter, what do they do about those guys? And uh, Ryan Fagan, senior MLB writer for the Sporting News, is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes to give us his take on all of that. Plus, some of the struggles that the other National League playoff teams from last year are having, at least a, a, a decent handful of them. So we'll talk about all that coming up here on this edition of Hitting Season. So the Phillies lose three straight in San Francisco, and you talk about a team that rides a roller coaster. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a team that was this schizophrenic before. Like, we know that they're good, and they have these stretches where they play really good baseball. They can look every bit the playoff team that they were last year and when they went on that playoff run. And then they can look like the Nationals. They can look like the, you know, the the bad Pirates. You know, they can look like the worst team in the National League when you're not playing defense, when your pitcher can't get out of the first inning, and when you're flailing with runners in scoring position and not hitting home runs and not scoring runs. I mean, it's a it's a deadly combination. But it, this team is just, they, they, they don't alternate wins and losses anymore. They were doing that earlier in the season. But ever since they were 11-13 and and they lost a game to the Seattle Mariners back on Tuesday, April 25th, here's here's what the Phillies have done. They won four in a row, two straight against Seattle and the first two games of their series against Houston. Then they lost four in a row. Including the, including the finale against Houston, and then that nightmarish three-game series against the Dodgers, May first, second, and third, in which they were in which they lost thirteen to four, thirteen to one, and ten to six. That's why I'm saying they can't ever go back to California. And then they lost two straight to Boston. So they they followed up their four-game winning streak with a six-game losing streak. But then they turned it around and won five in a row. Until the series finale on Sunday in Colorado when they lost four to nothing, the bench is cleared and they have now lost four straight. So that's right. F- uh, won four in a row, lost six in a row, won five in a row, lost four in a row. And the Phillies are now five and 23 in their last 28 games in San Francisco. They got they got their lunch handed to them. Uh, they fell behind four to nothing in the first inning here on Wednesday in the first in the final game of the series. Taiwan Walker threw 40 pitches in the first inning was not able to get out of it. That came a day after they tried to use a starter ahead of a Bailey Falter appearance. Connor Brogdon couldn't get out of the first inning, and so Bailey Falter had to come in early and ended up needing to get the last out of the first inning and then blew up in the second inning. So it's just, it was a, these two series in California against the Dodgers and the Giants were just demoralizing. And when when you look at how the first inning went on Wednesday in the finale, it really kind of sums up 
what happened in this series. Bryson Stott just missed a double. Trey Turner had an infield single. Then Harper followed up and, and hit a ball to the wall, but Conforto was standing right there. Castellano then hit a line drive to third, bla- third base, but was out on a great play by Schmidt. And then in the following inning, the Giants don't swing at any of Taiwan Walker's garbage. Everything out of the strike zone, they're just sniffing it. They get two walks, and then they did all game long. It just seemed like every ground ball was finding a hole. It's it seemed to me like they must have had like ten ground ball hits in the series finale here on Wednesday. So it, some of the, some of this series was bad luck. I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The Phillies got some bad luck in this series, but they also were not particularly good. The starting pitching when you can't wait in back to back days when your starting pitchers combine to get four outs, you are not going to win those baseball games. And, and I got to hand it to you, until Greg Soto came in in the eighth inning uh, and gave up three runs to turn a 4-4 tie into a 7-4 deficit, the bullpen did a tremendous job picking up Taiwan Walker's slack. And e- even in the Soto inning, it wasn't all his fault. Again, a lot of ground balls through holes and stuff. If, if they're hit you know, a foot or two to the left or to the right, it's right at a defender and you get a double play and, and you're out of the inning. But the, the big story of this series is this offense's inability to hit with runners in scoring position, and really just their inability to hit at all. In the game on Tuesday, the second game of the series, Bryson Stott had an RBI single with a runner in scoring position. That snapped an 0-for-28 stretch with runners in scoring position. That is the longest drought for the Phillies since 2009 when they went 0-for-34 with runners in scoring position. Now, I, I should remind you that the 2009 Phillies offense may have been the best offense this franchise has ever seen. The 2009 Phillies offense was awesome, but even they went into a big drought. So if you have any hope for this offense, it is the fact that really, really good offenses have streaks like this. They go through things like this, but it was brutal in these three losses in San Francisco. The Phillies went two for 39 with runners in scoring position. They had 16 base runners in the game on Tuesday and got three runs. They have left 37 runners on base in those three losses. And you thought maybe, just maybe, they were going to steal the series finale on Wednesday because they get down four to nothing, but then they battle back. Right, they they keep battling. Uh, JT Realmuto w- comes through with the second hit of the series with runners in scoring position, a big two-run double to get the Phillies to within four to two. Um, they get it to within four to three, and then Bryson Stott off Shamanaya, who who Shamanaya, of course, you might remember from the National League Championship Series, uh, giving up the uh, Reese Hoskins game-tying two-run home run, and then the the Bryce Harper RBI double to put them ahead in Game Four of the NLCS. Shamanaya gave up a game-tying Bryson Stott home run that was almost a almost a splashdown ball to tie the game at four. Uh, but then Greg Soto gives up three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. The Phillies down seven to four, but they load the bases with two outs in the ninth and up steps Trey Turner. Trey Turner, who has struggled so much so far this season, comes up with the bases loaded, down by three, two outs in the ninth, and it, and the ending was just entirely too predictable. We did not get World Baseball Classic Trey Turner. We did not get the Trey Turner that was so dominant for the Nationals and the Dodgers all these years. Instead, we got Philadelphia Phillies Trey Turner, who struck out 
on four pitches with the bases loaded and the Phillies lost 7-4. to four. And you look at some of these numbers with runners in scoring position coming into the game on Wednesday, and, you know, maybe I should have... Um, you know, looked up these numbers after the game on Wednesday because they're 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 all just they're all bad. Alec Baum is best on the team with a three thirty three batting average. Brandon Marsh has a three twenty three batting average, at least did coming into the game on Wednesday. Nick Castellanos at three eighteen. Some of these other guys though, um, you have uh, uh, Bryson Stott hitting two hundred with runners in scoring position. Trey Turner one sixty two with runners in scoring position. Kyle Schwarber one oh eight with runners in scoring position. JT Real Muto. Uh, numbers 235 with runners in scoring position. Bryce Harper has really struggled with runners in scoring position since returning 091 coming into Wednesday. And I guarantee you, with the exception of Bryce, uh, with the exception of JT Real Muto's number, none of those numbers went up. None of those numbers went up. And it's just this, this team, their offense has been... It has been a struggle all year to maintain consistency on offense because they're not hitting home runs. They're tied for 20th in the Nash- in, in Major League Baseball in home runs. This is a team that should be hitting the ball out of the ballpark. JT Realmuto should be hitting home runs. Nick Castellanos should be hitting home runs. Kyle Schwarber should be... Trey Turner should be hitting home runs. I mean, just because they don't have Reese Hoskins doesn't mean this team should be 20th in Major League Baseball in home runs. There, I know, the loss of Reese Hoskins has hurt this offense. There, there's no doubt about it. He's he's a good bat in the middle of the order. He's an RBI guy in the middle of the order, a 30 home run guy in the middle of that order. It absolutely hurts to lose one of those guys. But Reese Hoskins was also not a megastar superstar bat. He's a guy who also had his extreme ups and his extreme downs. Who knows what we would have seen here in the first month and a half, month and a half of the season from him? Would he have been in a valley with the rest of his teammates, or would he have had a couple of streaks where you know maybe he can carry the team for a little while? Maybe, maybe. But I don't. I I can't. I'm sorry. This lineup. Kevin Gaussman said it the other day. Even without Reese Hoskins, this lineup is the deepest lineup in the National League. But you wouldn't know it based on their production level. It's the runners in scoring position. And again, I, I do, you want to throw something at your TV when, when this continues to happen. But they, they, this won't continue the whole season. They will not be this bad with runners in scoring position the whole season. And I really do believe this team will hit for power at some point this season. It's, we just keep waiting. We just keep waiting for it to happen. And I think the fear that a lot of Phillies fans have, that a lot of you have listening to this podcast, is that specifically with a guy like Trey Turner and maybe some other members of the team is that they're going to have a prolonged season-long funk like we saw with Nick Castellanos last year. And we've already seen the daycare guys, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, how hot they were early in the season. We've seen that fade. Bryson Stott, over the last 30 days, uh, coming into the game on Wednesday, was hitting 210 with a 260 on base percentage and a 260 slugging percentage. Alec Bohm, a weighted runs created of 67. League average offensively is 100. So he's he right now, Alec Bohm, over the last uh, over the last month of the uh, the last calendar month, has been 33% worse than a league average hitter. Bryson Stott has been 55% worse than a league average hitter. Weighted runs created of 45. Kyle Schwarber, weighted runs created of 74. Edmundo Sosa, weighted runs created of 49. Um, you know, Trey Turner, 68. They got to get more from those guys. 
Brandon Marsh is only hitting 233 with a 384 slugging percentage over his last 30 days. Really high walk rate. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But really, the only guys over the last 30 days who are hitting JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper. That's it. That's it. And, and you got to have more than that if you're going to be a consistent offense. Part of the problem this team has had is they still do not have an answer at the top of the lineup. They keep switching guys out. Bryson Stott's up there. Uh, they had Kyle Schwarber up there for a little bit. They tried Trey Turner early in the season. None of it has worked. None of it has worked. Because Brandon Marsh has had a 180... I mean, uh, um, the, the in 2023 so far, the Phillies on base percentage of leadoff hitters is 260. That is tied for last in Major League Baseball. Phillies leadoff hitters this year, the guys who are hitting first in the order, have an on-base percentage of 260. Last year, it was 306, which was only tied for 19th. In 2021, it was 302, which was second worst in baseball. In 2020, it was 326, which was 18th in baseball. And in 2019, it was also 326, 20th in baseball. This team has not had a good leadoff hitter since, what, Jimmy Rollins? I mean, Andrew McCutcheon had like a month and a half before he tore his knee up where he was a really good leadoff hitter. Since then... I mean, maybe there was a couple of seasons maybe where Odubel Herrera was a decent leadoff hitter. Now, somebody had the idea of throwing Brandon Marsh into the leadoff spot. And in May, he's hitting 182 coming into Wednesday with a 212 slugging percentage. That ain't great. It's May 18th. <laughs> you know, that's like two and a half weeks of being a pretty terrible hitter. But the one thing he has done is walk a lot. He has a 16.2% walk rate so far this year. And in the month of May, he has a 386 on base percentage. So you know what? It's not working with Bryson Stott. It's not working with Trey Turner. And it's not working with Kyle Schwarber. Why not let Brandon Marsh have a try? But the Phillies have tried a whole bunch of different lineups. They've tried a whole bunch of different things. And none of it has worked. And I'll tell you, the Phillies players themselves after the game had a lot of comments about airing their frustrations. They're frustrated. They know they're frustrated. Trey Turner especially is frustrated. He said, it's a million things, right? You can point at individual play or offense or defense or whatever, but at the end of the day, you've just got to find ways to win games and be more consistent. We have the talent. We have the mentality in here. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Stop talking about it and start doing it. I feel like we've been talking, talking, talking the first 40, time, 40 games. It's time to play better. Say what you want about Trey Turner. That's an honest assessment of his play and the play of the team, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that from Trey Turner. It's still, it's, it's, he is broken right now, and it doesn't sound like he has a whole lot of answers on how to fix it. But he came up, and he said when he got to the plate that he felt like, oh man, this is an at-bat where I can turn my season around. You know, this a, a huge moment where he could have exercised a lot of the demons that he's had so far this year, but not a chance, not a chance. He, he was, it was not a competitive at bat that he had in the ninth inning. Um, and you know, I, I will say Kyle Schwarber who went through this last year with the team goes through this every year in, in April and May understands that as we, as we finish up Wednesday and head into Thursday and head into the weekend series, um, the Phillies have an off day on Thursday, which they absolutely need. That team needs an off day in a 
big, big way. Let those guys get this weekend out of their system, and then they will begin a three-game series at home against the Cubs, a team they were not able to beat last year. They lost every game to the Cubs last season. And so I don't think that's going to happen again this season, but uh, the Cubs have had their number. But Schwarber understands there's obvious frustration, he says. We obviously want to play better, but there's still so much more to go. We feel like we haven't really hit the stride yet. We're going to get to that point, but we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep figuring out a way to get there. Is it frustrating? Sure. Was it frustrating last year? Sure. It wasn't like it was all peaches and cream and we were happy, but our job is to find a way to get there. And so as we look at the standings heading into Thursday, the Phillies at 20 and 23, three games under 500, are a fourth place team. Just two days ago, three days ago, they were a second place team behind the Atlanta Braves when they were over 500. But when you lose, what is it, five in a row now, four in a row now? When you lose four in a row, eh, that record drops under 500 pretty quick. And right now, the Miami Marlins are in second place, five games behind the Braves. They are two games up on the Phillies. The Mets are half a game ahead of the Phils right now at 21 and 23. But the, so the Phillies are seven back of the Braves in the division. Again, not a small number. Okay, I mean, it's gonna if they're gonna catch the Braves, it would it would be it would take a remarkable run by this team, but a run that they that they do have in them. But they're still just two games out of the wild card. And that's just the way it's going to be with this team. And I think that's what the Phillies are understanding. And that's what I I wanted to come on here and scream my head off, like I did after the Cubs series last year. When, when At the end of the season, when they got swept by the Cubs, I really didn't think they were going to the playoffs. I thought they were done. I thought they were out of it. I thought there was no chance. And so I let them have it. And I thought the team, I, I thought there was a good chance that team needed to be blown up. And I'm glad they didn't, obviously. So I'm not going to go down that road right now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should feel better about things. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should feel good about anything. It is it is excruciating watching this team when they play like this. But they are two games out of the wild card. And I'll tell you, as long as they're around 500 the entire season, they're going to be in the wild card conversation. It's just going to take a small run for them to put themselves in wildcard contention because the rest of the National League is also struggling. Okay, you've got the, the the Padres are at 20 and 24. They're behind the Phillies. They're two and eight in their last 10. Chicago comes into this series two and eight in their last 10. They're 19 and 24. The teams ahead of them, you have the Diamondbacks, who I think are pretty good. Uh, but if the Pirates are still ahead of the Phillies at 23 and 20, that's not going to last. The, the Marlins, are they going to stay over 500? Do you believe in the Marlins as a playoff team? I certainly don't. Do you believe? I mean, and the Mets are having just as many problems as the Phillies are right now. It is a weakened National League. I don't know how long it's going to stay weak. And that's the thing that worries you. Like, how long will the National League, how long will the Padres remain dormant? How long will the Mets continue to stink? How long will the Cardinals continue to stink? The Cardinals have already started to get better, but they may have buried themselves too deep a hole to dig out of. But there is time. But it, it is it is excruciating to watch Taiwan Walker pitch right now. After two straight encouraging starts, he went back to looking like the free agent bust we were worried we were getting. 40 pitches and got two outs in the first inning. Now, with a 6.53 ERA on the season, Walker, 41 in the third innings, has given up 43 hits, 30 earned runs, 19 walks in 41 and a third innings, way too many bases on balls. He's got a whip of 1.50 with 39 strikeouts. 
people are making all kinds of comparisons. And I think a lot of a lot of the ones that I've seen are to Jake Arietta. Um, I, I think I saw somebody make an Adam Eaton comparison. And I think both of those are pretty good. I think to me the best comparison is Andy Ashby, who Ed Wade traded for as their number two starter, and he was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, at least Arietta and like Kevin Millwood were good for a stretch. Adam Eaton is also a pretty good comparison. But a lot of people are saying, you know, this could could this be the the big Dave Dombrowski miss, the big free agent pitcher miss. And it's it's too early to say. It's ugly right now with Taiwan Walker. He's got to figure it out. And I still wonder if there's an injury issue going on. We talked about that on a previous podcast. You know, you you have forearm tightness and then what? All of a sudden it goes away? That's not usually how it works. And he's his command is brutal. He just he's falling behind so many hitters and making it so that he has to throw strikes and put the ball over the middle of the plate. But a lot of the a lot of the hue and cry about Taiwan Walker is that Dave Dombrowski signed the wrong guy. I want to go through the other free agent starters that were out there and how they're doing so far here in 2023. It's not a good scene, kids. No matter it there are some guys in here who are doing better, certainly better than Taiwan Walker, but most of these guys are not having a great season or have been hurt. Jacob deGrom, of course, is not on the same level as Taiwan Walker, but he was hurt to start the season. He's now back on the mound for the Rangers. He's made six starts. He's 2-0 with a 2.67 ERA. I think we know when deGrom's healthy, he's going to be fine. The big question is, how is his health going to hold up? Carlos Rodon has been out with a back injury. He hasn't pitched at all this year for the Yankees. Justin Verlander just got back from the injured list. He's made only three starts for the Mets, and he got blasted by the Rays earlier this week. He has a 4.76 ERA. Jamison Tyon is another guy who is very Taiwan Walker-like, very similar mold, kind of the same tier of starting pitchers this offseason. Six starts, 6.66 ERA, and a 1.521 whip. Worse than Taiwan Walker. Chris Bassett has had a good start to the season. Eight starts for Chris Bassett, 349 ERA, a 1082 whip. He would have been a good add, at least so far. Former Philly Zach Eflin is off to a great start with the Rays, no doubt about it. Seven starts, a 3.38 ERA, a 1075 whip. I wish for nothing but the best for Zach Eflin. I hope he has a great season in Tampa. I hope he has a great career there. I'm appreciative of everything he did for his time in Philadelphia. But I did not want Dave Dombrowski to re-sign Zach Eflin, and I will stand by that. Because I, I do think Zach Eflin has some talent, but Zach Eflin has never been healthy enough to stay in the rotation for a full season. And when he has been in the rotation, he has been very up and down throughout his career. People seem to think like that that Zach Eflin was this like all-star pitcher who, you know, just couldn't stay healthy. But when 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 Zach Eflin was healthy, he wasn't all that great most of the time. He he made 122 starts for the Phillies and had a career 4.50 ERA. So you will have to allow my skepticism that Zach Eflin will continue to do this all season long for the Tampa Bay Rays, that he'll continue to maintain an ERA like this because we have seen Zach Eflin have two-month two stretches where he's really dominant, and then it disappears like that. Or he gets hurt. He has a, he's got that bum knee. I just don't think he can make 25 to 30 starts in a season. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong about that for his sake. But that's why I didn't want the Phillies to re-sign Zach Eflin. I just didn't think he could hold up. 
I didn't think his knees would hold up, and he frankly has not been a consistent and terribly great starting pitcher in his career. I'm sorry, that's just that's just what the numbers tell you. Tyler Anderson has made seven starts, 5.26 ERA and a 16-19 whip. He's been awful. Nathan Eovaldi has been good. Eight starts, a 2.70 ERA, a 0.994 whip. He would have required a qualifying offer. He signed, I mean, no, what I mean is he was given a qualifying offer. If the Phillies had signed him, they would have had to give up a draft pick, and they weren't looking to do that. But Eovaldi is a good pitcher, and it's no surprise that he's probably the cream of the crop when it comes to the Taiwan Walker tier that we're talking about. Michael Waka, eight starts, a 4.06 ERA, and 1173 whip. That's okay. Nothing great, but okay. Jose Quintana, who I really wanted the Phillies to sign, has been injured and is going to be out for a little while yet. Ross Stripling, who got the start for the Giants today, had to leave the game, apparently suffering an injury. He has a 7.14 ERA. He's made four starts, but also four play, uh, pitched four games out of the bullpen. Sean Manaya is a reliever for the Giants. He's not even starting. And then Martin Perez, eight starts with a 4.25 ERA and a 16.06 whip. That 4.25 ERA, that whip stays where it is. That ERA is going up, up, up. So no great option there. Couple, couple options that are probably would have worked out better maybe. And I don't know what Taiwan Walker is going to do the rest of the season. Certainly a 6.53 ERA. You'd take, a, you'd take a large number of those guys over Taiwan Walker. But I don't know that the ERA is going to stay at 6.53. He's got he's to do better in terms of giving them some more innings. 4.6 innings per start right now for him so far this season. It's been pretty bad. Uh, we also found out Bailey Falter has lost his spot in the rotation. He was sent down to AAA uh, earlier this week. We don't know who the fifth starter is going to be right now, but you don't expect much out of a fifth starter, but you have to expect more than what Bailey Falter was giving you. So who's going to be that fifth starter? Well, the Phillies are already struggling with their fourth starter uh, in Taiwan Walker. Now they got to figure out a fifth starter. Um, there's the usual suspects, Christopher Sanchez, Michael Plassmeyer. They're on the 40-man roster. They have struggled tremendously at AAA. A lot of people were talking about Nick Nelson. He was on the comeback trail after an early season hamstring injury, but it appears he re-injured that hamstring this week, so he's not coming back. One of the guys who could be interesting is Mick Abel, and a little birdie told me that Dave Dombrowski was scouting him in AA Reading this week. Now, he did not have a good outing his last time for uh, the Reading Fightins, but um, the R. Phil's uh, uh, right-hander has uh, all the stuff. I mean, he's he can he can absolutely sling it, but he has trouble commanding it. He doesn't quite. It's he he's a little. He just doesn't know how to how to work his arsenal just yet, but. Would I be willing to see him as the number five starter for a little while? I sure would. I sure would. But um, there, there might be some other options, too. One of the names being mentioned is Noah Skuro, who is not on the 40-man roster. Uh, he's 4-1 uh, with Lehigh Valley with a 4.46 ERA. He has started six games for them, 34 and a third innings, has given up 30, 35 hits, uh, seven home runs so far this season, 26 strikeouts to 12 walks, uh, 1.37 whip. Uh, opponents are hitting 255 against him. Eh, you know, it's not inspiring. There, there, there's not much there. There's not much there. So could Dave Dombrowski make a trade a little bit early in the season? I, I think he's obviously keeping an eye on maybe some other teams' AAA starters that maybe they can that maybe there's a guy that they identify and think that they can work with and he can swing a trade for a AAA starter. Right, not maybe not somebody off of a major league roster, but 
these guys have scouts everywhere. Maybe there's a triple-A pitcher out there that he might trade for. Scott Lauber had a couple of different uh, possibilities as well, looking at some of the teams who are struggling to start the season and might be willing to sell a little bit early. Uh, mentioning the Cardinals and that uh, both Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery are eligible for free agency after the season. If St. Louis doesn't turn it around, both those guys could be um, could be available. Uh, and then with the White Sox, um, they're they're in real, real trouble. And Lucas Giolito uh, is a guy, as, as Scott mentioned, turns 29 in July. He can be a free agent at the end of the season. Giolito was dominant against the Phillies in his start against them earlier in the year. Um, so that would be a higher-end replacement for Bailey Falter. Uh, as for Andrew Painter... Still nowhere close to coming back. Um, Rob Thompson said he hasn't had any setbacks, uh, but uh, his right now his throwing program is going very slowly. He played catch from 120 feet last week. It's unclear when he'll try to throw from a mound. Scott Boris has uh, said that they're going to be patient with him. So, again, Andrew Painter is not going to be a solution anytime soon. There just really is not a whole lot of good starting pitching to go around in baseball. Teams that have it, keep it or they trade it for a very, very high price. And certainly right now, even the teams like the Cardinals, who probably will end up being sellers by the trade deadline, it's still too early for them to think about that. And so you're basically scouring AAA rosters, which is what I think is the is the most obvious move. Uh, it was for Dave Dombrowski to maybe find someone somewhere that who, who has maybe a certain pitch that they really like. You know, how they did with some of their relievers, Andrew Bellotti. Uh, they basically said, you have a great slider. Throw that all the time. Just just keep throwing your slider. And that was one of the things they told, um, uh, that they told uh, uh, Taiwan Walker to do, was throw his splitter over and over and over again. It didn't work uh, against the Giants here on Wednesday. Uh, but uh, they've, they've got to do something to get Taiwan Walker straight and to figure out what they're going to do with the number five spot in the starting rotation. All right, joining me to talk about the Phils a little bit here and uh, some of the other stuff that's going on around the National League, uh, a weakened National League, at least at this point so far here in the season, save for a couple of juggernauts, is Ryan Fagan. You know, he's a good buddy of the podcast, senior MLB writer for the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, of course, big baseball card guy as well. So I'm sure if you follow him on Twitter, you see the baseball card stuff, the, the junk wax stuff as well. And it's always great to have him on the podcast. Ryan, thanks for coming back on Hitting Season. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. Always and always enjoy these chats. I know we always wind up talking longer than we expect. But that's, that's a good <laughs> that's right. thing, right? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's why you're one of my favorites. And um, you know, I know you're you're in the Midwest. You you cover a lot of Cardinals, and I want to talk to you about the Cardinals in, in just a little bit because obviously um, that's a team that we all thought was going to be something this year, and they've gotten off to an even rougher start than the Phillies have. But uh, as the as the Phils are are coming off a three game sweep at the hands of the Giants, I, I said earlier in the podcast i think we just we need to have some kind of rule where the phillies don't go to california because they got blown they got their doors blown off against the dodgers in la in a three-game sweep two weeks ago and then they 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 looked awful against the giants defensive miscues all the uh failure with runners in scoring position i mean i think um i said the number earlier in the day but they they were the the amount of failure with runners in scoring position two for thirty nine with runners in scoring position they left thirty seven runners on base in their three straight losses um, so it's been pretty bad and it's it's mystifying like the players don't have an answer Trey Turner has gotten off to a horrible start this so far this year Kyle Schwarber we know kind of does that a little bit but you know when you've got a team that's got a lineup as loaded as the Phillies is on paper how do you explain this run of 
this lack of success success that they've had with with runners in scoring position. I know there's no real way to predict clutchness, but is it is it just the randomness of a of a baseball season? Yeah, the the runners in scoring position thing is always is fascinating. You know, if you if you're talking to a team where it's going well, you know, they'll they'll tell you, you know, we we're grinding out of bats, we're getting pitches to hit, and we're taking what the pitchers give us. Right, we're trying to dictate the count. You know, and that sounds great, but you know, the teams that are struggling are trying to do that too, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes the ball just finds holes, but you know, I, you know, at this point, you know, I mean, we're, we're a quarter of the way into the season, right? It's still a small sample size. It still doesn't tell you what the story of the season is going to be 40 some odd games. You're starting to get to that point though. You know, mm-hmm. like, are, are we doing something? Is there an approach that that's not right? Um, yeah. But the thing about the Phillies, look, it's not like this is a lineup of, super talented second year players yeah. who don't understand maybe how to make adjustments in the big leagues. Right. I mean, you look up and down that lineup, you know, I mean, I know Stoughton and Bohm haven't been there forever, but I mean, Turner and Schwarber and, and Castellanos and Harper and Real Muto and you know, even Josh Harrison in that mix. I mean, this is a lineup that, I mean, they're going to figure it out. Right. I think that's the question. You know, I think I think when I look at the Phillies from a, a, a higher, from a more broad viewpoint, it's it's been, it's been a season where not much has gone right. You know, right? Obviously, you know they haven't had Suarez. They they didn't have Harper, and you know even Harper coming back like he did. I mean, it, it's amazing. You wonder how full strength he is, right? I mean, but even Bryce Harper, not at full strength, is still. And you know, you look at his numbers, and they're they're great. Yeah, so far, but you know, he can sometimes give more. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just with all the things that have gone wrong, the fact that at the moment, you know, not that wild card matters in in May, but they're only two games out of the second wild card spot, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, as good as the Braves could be, the Braves are you know what six or seven games ahead of them right now. That's not a big deal, right? You know, the Mets have struggled too, so it's not like. You know, they're going to have to climb over, you know, four or five teams in the division that have uh, a big giant lead on them. I mean, you don't want to be two games behind the Marlins at this point in the season, but it's only two games, right? So I think that that's the thing to me when you're looking at the bigger picture of the Phillies. All these things have gone wrong, and you look at all these things have gone wrong, and they seem all very fixable, Yeah, right? They, they seem like re- regression to the norm mm-hmm. is going to fix a lot of these things. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not where you want to be. But it's not you've not gotten there if you're the Phillies the way that you want to get there, but you still feel pretty good about where you are and the pieces that are on this team. I mean, Trey Turner's not going to hit, you know, have a, an OPS plus under a, a hundred for the year. Neither is Schwarber. You know, I, I, these are the things to look at and say, okay, well, you feel pretty good about their ability to turn things around, but it is massively frustrating in the moment there's no doubt about that yeah and i think we all went remember last year with the 22 phillies and they it was a real struggle for them for much of that season i mean they didn't really catch fire until after joe girardi was fired and i think all of us came into the season thinking oh rob thompson's the new manager it's gonna be you know they won't get off to a a slow start again because that was joe girardi's that's because joe girardi was a problem Um, right but, you know, I think that it's it, the problem has been the runners in scoring position. The, the problem has been some of the star players have gotten off to slow starts for whatever reason. 
And the big problem that I see with this team is, is the lack of the of power. And when you're watching those 22 playoff highlights, how did the Phillies score most of their runs in those big moments with big home runs, right? Yeah. They got big home runs up and down the lineup and they don't have Reese Hoskins right now. And I, I think it's fair that they would probably be performing better offensively with Reese Hoskins in there. Although Hoskins is not a superstar offensive player. He's a yeah. good power hitter that you want hitting fifth or sixth in your lineup. But 44 home runs for this team um, is tied for 20th in Major League Baseball. That is certainly not what we were expecting. And to this point, unless I'm mistaken, they still have just one home run this season with more than one runner on base. It's like one wow. three-run home run and no grand slams yet for this team so far this year. And and you're looking for an easy way to put some runs on the board. That's the way to do it. And they just they just haven't done that. And I just can't explain the power drop. I, I just I whether it's maybe it gets better in the in the summertime. I don't know if it's the shortened off season. How much do you put into a deep playoff run and then coming out flat the next year? Is there is do you believe in a World Series hangover kind of a thing? You know. I- Sometimes, you know, I've, I've talked to lots of different, you know, that's a wishy-washy answer, but, you know, you talk to lots of different players. And I've asked, you know, in the, in the 15 or so years I've been doing that, I've asked a lot of guys and some will tell you it has nothing to do with anything. And some will tell you, yeah, it, it's real. You know I mean? Your body's used to getting a certain amount of, uh, of rest and recuperation, and especially with a lot of the guys, you know, that played in the WBC too. So, you know, not only did you have the longer playoff run, but you had our, an earlier ramp up and I, maybe there's part of that too. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be, you know, I think that there, there's also maybe if you're looking at a mental element, and this is just, um, you know, the Phillies haven't come through St. Louis yet, so I haven't had a chance to be in that clubhouse, but they, they understand, not that there's not urgency now, I don't want to say that, but they mm-hmm. understand that the goal is to get to a point that they need to be, right, and if they're not there right this second, as long as they're within shouting distance, they're still in pretty good shape because uh, I mean, this is a team that if, if they're, if they finish 500, you know, right around where they are right now, I I would be, I would be stunned. It would be one of the more stunning things that would happen in a season because that's how good they can be. And, you know, it's, it's not something that you would expect. I mean, a veteran lineup that is not hitting with runners in square position, and a lineup full of guys that can knock home runs that is what you say tied for 20th yeah. in the majors and home runs. Um, it's not what you would expect. There's no doubt about it. Um, there are some teams look at 40 games in there. Are some teams you're starting, you're, you're willing to push the panic button on, um, you know, like I look at like, you're looking at the national league standings right now and the Phillies and giants have identical 20 and 23 records. And for the giants, I mean, they, they probably don't have a whole lot of a shot, yeah. right? Yeah. Even though they're sitting there with the same record. Whereas yeah, and they, Phillies, they swept the Phillies. And you look at you look at those teams. One team is clearly better than the other, and it's not the yeah. team that's, that ended up sweeping the other team this this, this week. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's it's just it's – a, it's an interesting thing. You know, I mean, I think that's part of the fun of watching the whole baseball season. That's something we get over the six months is to see these, these ebbs and flows, these rises and falls. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's more fun for for someone like me, who's looking at, (laughs) you know, at the sport from the, from a a different perspective, as opposed to living and dying with every pitch. But I mean, living here in St. Louis, I mean, the the level of angst 
in in late April and early May was unlike anything I've seen here in a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at what they've done lately. I mean, they've won eight eight of ten, and the Phillies are very very capable of doing something like that. The thing that's amazing to me is to, to show like how bad the Cardinals have been is they they've won eight of ten and they still have the worst record in the National mm-hmm. League. Now it's only mm-hmm. like by a half game a game right now, but I mean that's how bad they have been. Right and here they are, you know, two good weeks and they're back in there. And I, you know, for the Phillies it's the same thing, and that's a team. You know, I mean, look, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are not going to have ERAs in the low fours, mid fours all year. You know, Taiwan Walker, you know, he's not going to compete for a Cy Young, but he's going to probably be – his final numbers will be better than they, they are right now. Um, yeah, and Suarez will get into um, the rotation and be that guy that, that he has been every time he's gotten an opportunity there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been bad. It's not quite been worst-case scenario. It certainly hasn't been best case, but – yeah, they. I still feel pretty good about the Phillies. Yeah, it's it's so hard to pin them down because um, their last string of games, they really have been riding the roller coaster. Um, when they were twelve and thirteen, they they ran off a four game winning streak. Uh, then they followed that up with a six game losing streak, and then they followed that with a five game winning streak, and now they are in the middle of a four game losing streak. I mean, it's just there's there. <laughs> They have these stretches where, you know, hey, things things are going great. And then they just they plummet back down to earth. I mean, it's like it's like a stock market on crack. It's it's really it's really something to watch. And so Phillies fans are frustrated because it is frustrating to watch. But I think your point is well taken and Phillies fans should should be thinking about the fact that, you know, they are just a couple games out of the wild card. No, you, And they're not going to be out of the wild card until, you know, at, at any stage until August or September. And you'd love for them to be able to track down the Atlanta Braves. But as we look around the National League here a little bit, I, I think there are really two teams, I think, are, it's fair to say, that are the class of the National League right now. You have the Braves and the Dodgers, right? I mean, what what is the level of separation between them and the next tier at this moment? Uh, you know, look, these the Dodgers have been playing very well lately, obviously. Um, losing Dustin May perhaps tonight, uh, mm. having him come out. If, if he's gone, that's 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 a big loss, right? Um, it, I, these aren't these aren't the 110 win Dodgers, I just don't think that they are. You know, they don't have that same type of um, lineup depth that they have uh, in past years, and their pitching feels a little more fragile than it has. Um, their bullpen's not as established as it, as it typically has been, but you know, I, I still think you know. To me, the Braves are the best team in the in the National League, and the Dodgers are right there. And, and then I wouldn't call it a gap, right? But there's a second tier, and I think you know that still includes. You know, I mean, the Mets have looked like a disaster from time to time, but you know, uh, some of the recent call-ups they've had, maybe that's going to help spark mm-hmm. things i think they're in that mix along with the phillies and I, you know even with as bad as they've been i still think the cardinals are there the diamondbacks are better than people give them credit for mm-hmm. you know and sitting there what what are these six games over 500 right now yeah. with uh, a guy in zach gallon i mean zach, look, zach he's Gallen, really good he's really good you know and he doesn't get a whole lot of um of uh, a, a pub you know he had a um I had I had an, an NL Cy Young vote last year, mm-hmm. right? And I said, you know, and I didn't find out about it until the mid late August. Uh, actually, it was early September, so I wasn't tracking it with that in mind all season. But once I started looking at it, there were two guys whose numbers really jumped out at me. It's like these guys were better than I thought they were, and it was Zach Gallen and, and Aaron Nola, you know, and they both made my 
my my battle because you know you look at the secondary numbers and for both those guys they're fantastic so you know you look at the Diamondbacks and that's a team that's got some young players you know Corbin Carroll is is gonna be a star you know there's a reason that they gave him um, the big extension that they did even though that's not really a Diamondbacks thing to do and he didn't have a whole lot but he, he he's right in that mix and, and you know they'll have some of the guys like you know Alec Thomas and, and Jake McCarthy are too good to struggle kind of the way that they have that's a team that um, if you're looking for a team that wasn't in the playoffs last year to get in there and take that extra wild card spot, you know, uh, to me, that's, that's probably the Diamondbacks. Fighters are still going to be good too. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next is because there's a few national league playoff teams from last year that really are struggling. You've got the Mets. They had a big walk-off win uh, on, on Wednesday against the Tampa Bay Rays. Pete Alonso hit a three run home run in the bottom of the ninth to walk it off. So that's a big win for them. They really needed that. Um, but they're yeah. 21 and 23 uh, heading into play on Thursday. They're in third place in the in the National League East. And, you know, the Padres, their offense has really talk about the Phillies offense struggling. The Padres yeah. offense has had it worse. And I dare say they have a better lineup than the Phillies. It may not be tremendously better, but I think it's maybe a half a step above. And they're 20 and 24 and they're hitting with runners in scoring position is way worse than than what Philadelphia which has done, which is just it boggles the mind. And then you've got your Cardinals who who you were just talking about have gotten hot, but put the dug themselves such a, such a deep hole that, you know, there's they're 18 and 26 still. I mean, now yeah. they've at least given themselves a heartbeat, I think, you know, for the National League playoff picture. But, you know, which of those three teams do you think is the most likely to figure things out and make the playoffs. Uh, I will say this. It wouldn't shock me if all three of them get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially with the, with the extra wild card this year, I think the team that's in the best position and it sounds strange to say, but look, I mean, the National League central it's, it's not going to take 95 wins to get the central, right? It's going to take 86 to 88 probably. Right. And, And, uh, they're still capable of doing that. I, I do think that, um, you know, I think if you if you had told anyone that they'd be where they were, are right, they are currently right now. Nobody would have, I think, believed that. But the truth is, is you know, like we talk about the, you know, the Phillies are six, seven games out behind the Braves, and the Cardinals are six and a half behind the Brewers, something like that. And I, I mean, tracking down the Brewers seems like an easier job than tracking down the Braves. So, Absolutely, you know, I, I think that. <laughs> They're probably in that best spot uh, of those three teams. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Although the, you know, the thing about the Padres, and everybody talks about the Padres and about um, the the hit the hitters who, who have struggled. There's no doubt about it. You know, Juan Soto has been better. He's more back to his old self. And, you know, Xander Bogart started out well, and he's struggled a little bit lately. And Tatis has been, you know, pretty good in coming back. It's been such a long time since we've seen him in a big league uniform. Yeah. You know, and Machado – you know, we'll see what happens with the hand, um, with getting hit on the hand. But, you know, if he comes back by the time, you know, I mean, he may not miss a whole lot of time, but even if he is out a little while and he comes back, you know, he's going to give him that boost. And, yeah, you know, but it's – I'm just – I'm not sold on the rotation. I know they mm-hmm. have a lot of options, right? Um, I'm just – to me, that was even coming into the season. Look, just because you have five or six starters doesn't mean – necessarily you're gonna like they were counting on a lot with Seth Lugo being a starter for the first time in a while yeah. Nick Martinez being a full-time starter you know Michael Walker I know he was really good last year um, but his track record in the last five or six years has been a little iffy you know sometimes yeah. he's really good and sometimes he's not so 
you know, that was a question I had about them. And it's, it's kind of been that way, you know, must Joe Musgrove, you figured was one of the reliable guys in there with, with you Darvish and, and, you know, he, he missed some time and he struggled when he's been in there. So, I, I mean, we'll see, like, like they're, they're too talented. You know, the curious, the curious thing to me is with those three teams, if they're still in a similar situation, when we get towards the, the trade deadline, you know, into early July, the all-star break, like how did, how do those front offices approach the trade deadline Padres and Mets, their history certainly shows that they're going to be aggressive. Yeah. If they feel they have any sort of chance, you know, we'll see what uh, the Cardinals do. Their, their history of trading away players hasn't always been great. You know, you look around the majors and, there are guys like Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen and Randy Rosarena and Adolis Garcia and all of these players yeah. who, you know, were, were Cardinals farmhands at one point doing great things elsewhere in baseball. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how they, how they do. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things that'll be curious to me um, when we get into July and then mid July, how the, the teams approach that. Yeah. And, and the, the Mets, I mean, I, it's, it's, as Phillies fans, we love watching the Mets struggle. I mean, it's one, the only thing, I mean, there's nothing better than the Phillies winning, but watching the Mets lose is a pretty close second. Even though I think the, the team that Phillies fans, I think dislike most right now is, is Atlanta just because of they're so good, but it's, yeah. the Mets are just comic relief, I think for, for Phillies <laughs> fans. And, you know, I mean, so it's just, it's so fascinating to see what's going on uh, up there. The walk off on, on Wednesday night here, notwithstanding. Um, and then, you know, just, I think the team that no one has talked about at all is Miami. Miami's yeah. sitting here at 22 and 21. Nobody believes in Miami. Nobody thinks that Miami can, can make a playoff spot right now. They're, they're ahead. They're in second place in the national league East. Again, it's by, it's by a hair. I don't expect it to last, but you know, the Marlins are, have been a little bit frisky so far this year too. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's a lot of interesting teams going around here in the national league as I think everybody's going through an identity crisis. People are trying to figure out who they are. Yeah, and the funny thing about Miami is, you know, I mean, they are at this point with with Alcantara has an ERA pushing five, right? Yeah, right. Like you, you yeah. said, if, if if the Marlins are in the position they are, it's because he hasn't allowed a run all year, right? right. But, but he's had his moments. He's given up too many home runs. I mean, for you know Alcantara standards, um, but you know Luzardo has been fantastic. You know, Edward Cabrera is a guy that. I mean, you look at some of his stuff, you know, if you follow Pitching Ninja on, on Twitter, you know, you see just this that, that 94 mile an hour change up dipping and diving and you wonder how anybody hits. And then you're like, oh, well, it dips and dives out of the strike zone. He's got 30 walks and 49 strikeouts and 35 innings. And I mean, that makes for fascinating Twitter content. But I'm not <laughs> sure it's it's something you want if you're trying to, to contend. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go. But, you know, I. I like a team that has a chance to any three game series, throw out three starters who are going to beat you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and with Alcantara and I, I don't care if Alcantara's area is eight, I'm going to bet on him, you know, not literally bet on him, but I'm going to, I'm going to feel good about my chances of the next time he takes them out, no matter what's happening, you know, and Luzardo, Luzardo, I mean, becoming the pitcher that Oakland thought he would be. I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. deal for them. You know, Braxton Garrett has been okay. He's had his moments. Um, but he, at least he's not walking guys, you know, with seven walks and 36 innings. So, you know, I mean, if you've got guys starting pitching that can keep you in games, I think that's that that's good enough right now. And that's, you know, that's kind of what they've been doing. 
Last thing before I let you go, I, I know you wrote a story recently uh, yeah. about a gentleman um, named Greg Poole um, having to do uh, with how he's using baseball cards uh, to kind of get involved with uh, his community there. Can I know you wanted to talk about him a little bit. Just share a little bit of his story if you could. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty incredible. Look, I mean, I, I heard about Greg uh, on Twitter and I kind of, you know, I, I touched base with him a couple months ago and and then honestly things came up. I was down at the WBC and all these different things. And so I circled back with him, but it, his story almost seemed a little too good to be true. Like there's nobody that could really be this good of a person, right? This selfless. <laughs> and so, you know, he lives about, he lives in Benton, Illinois, which is about two hours Southeast of St. Louis. So I was like, you know what? I'm, if I'm going to write about this guy, I want to see him yeah. in person and meet him, you know, because that, the journalist in me is like, you're, yeah. I don't want to get taken. Right. Yeah. So I went down there and I you know, talked to a couple of people that he's involved with and I was just blown away. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, his business model is I, I, I take my own money and I buy baseball cards and I sell them and I use all of the money, not the profits. I use the money to help the community. You know, this is a guy that well, um, during the pandemic, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when, when folks were shut in and couldn't go out, there was a big need in the community for um, meals for, for, you know, basically shut-ins people who were basically either older or had some sort of Alzheimer's, but were maintaining some sort of independent living. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to start a meals on wheels program. So 30 people uh, on his route, they deliver twice a week and like really good, legit home cooked meals. He does these things for the assisted living facility in town. You know, for foster kids, he, he buys beds, he buys clothing, he buys all these things. You know, and the, for, for teachers, he's got a room in the back of his baseball card shop, two rooms really, that are just stock full of, of pencils and pens and markers and erasers and all of these different things teachers need for their classroom. And, you know, every Saturday, he just opens it up. The teachers can come take literally anything that they want and it's wow. all free. And it really is, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes you need a reminder that there are good people in this world because there's so much crap elsewhere. Um, and getting to know Greg a little bit and just and talking, especially talking to the people. You know, when I was worried that he that something was being oversold there, he was legitimately underselling his impact on the community. So, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I don't, I, I honestly don't care if anybody reads the story, but I want people to know about Greg, yeah. right? You know, and I want people to see because what he's doing can be very much helped by donations um, of not just money, but I mean, if you, you can give him a, uh, and I have some box of cards I'm going to take down and, and he'll turn it into money that goes to, you know, help teach a classroom. I think there's like 340 classrooms that, that he's in around Southern Illinois. So it's just really cool. I appreciate giving me a chance to talk with, I don't usually like try to put things in there, but you know, this is just something that, you know, yeah. you see the good people in the world and you kind of want to do your little part to put whatever little tiny spotlight on them that you can. So, yeah, no, it's, a, it. it's a very cool story. You can go on Ryan's timeline and and check it out at Ryan Fagan. It's on the sportingnews.com. I also retweeted it. So you can go to my timeline uh, and you can get it there as well. And you can also check out everything else Ryan is doing covering Major League Baseball for the Sporting News at that Twitter handle at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on Hitting Season, buddy. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man.
All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And, folks, I want to remind you about our Hit and Season Patreon because we got lots of great stuff there. We got a brand new dirty inning out there about Vita Blue. Justin mentioned it on the, the last podcast, but uh, it's a terrific listen if you haven't already. Uh, make sure that you sign up on our Hit and Season Patreon. That particular episode is free, but some of them are behind the paywall, as well as our other great podcast that Justin does with Chris Jones called Continued Success. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season. Sign up on on one of the tiers there so you can get access to those bonus podcasts for all you hit and season fanatics out there uh, and also when it, everything that we're doing is over with our new friends whyy and billypen.com we've got a landing page over at billypen so bookmark billypen.com slash hit and season for all of the podcasts right there and all of the other content pictures of all of our meetups and everything else that we're going to be doing Everything hit and season related can now be found at billypen.com slash hit and season. So make sure you bookmark that page and, you know, check us out every couple of days and see what's hot. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season.